Welcome, everybody, to the On Texas Football Tuesday Night live stream. I'm Blake Monroe, and of course, I'm joined, as I am every week, by both Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. And guys, how's it going? Good. Ready to talk a little Longhorn football. Uh, the uh, the whole deal with uh, Alabama game time coming out, ESPN prime time, six o'clock. Uh, that's uh, it's gonna all the nation's eyes are gonna be in Tuscaloosa and on the Longhorns and Crimson Tide. Uh, come that second week in September. In September. I, so I've been on the road, so I, I don't know the answer to this. When's the last time Alabama lost a night game at home? <laughs> Ooh. I don't know. Probably, uh, probably LSU at some point, right? You know, I was thinking yeah. that, Jerry. Um, but I, I think all theirs were day games. Because they were that the CBS slot, right? Yeah. yeah. That's a great question. That's Somebody can look that up while we're – well, we're doing the show and give us that. I just added to Bobby's poll questions. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that too if you want. <laughs> yeah. So, as you said, Bobby, big game uh, for Texas and Alabama in week two, I believe, off the top of my head. And I don't know what other games are during that, um, but that has to be, you would think, one of the biggest games of that weekend for sure. I, I think that's why they chose it. Uh, yeah. Blake, I mean, uh, I think there is one other big game that may have Ohio State. Somebody can correct me here, but I'm not uh, as attuned with uh, the national stuff as I used to be. My my thought process on it is ESPN needs marquee games. This is Texas before it goes to the SEC. Uh, it's yeah. Nick Saban versus his protege, Steve Sarkeesian. It's a team that probably is going to rely heavily on its defense are known to be heavily reliant on his defense and Nick Saban, defensive-minded guy versus Steve Sarkeesian and his offense. Although I think it could be thought maybe that Texas might have as good a defense this year as just about anybody potentially um, if they had a guy that could rush the passer. We'll talk about that later. But my point being, I, I don't – look, it's prime time. It's the big game of the week. Uh, it's, uh, it's very interesting to me because I think that ESPN – uh, they these guys know television and uh, to put Texas in there uh, like they're doing, I think, says a lot. Hey, the biggest question left is who's going to be Alabama's celebrity guest picker on game day? Because, I mean, let's be real. It's a college game day game. <laughs> I mean, that's this. You can already pencil that one in. Right. Uh, yeah. So let, let, let's see. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Ohio State Notre Dame. That's the other game that's on that week. Right. I, you know, they'll probably roll out. I don't know. It, it, you know, the country band Alabama still alive. Are they still alive? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure on that one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's, get going. Let's get going and talk about some other stuff. Uh, Jerry, you were up recruiting, bud. Uh, tell us where you were at this week. Yeah. Yeah, I went up. I was up in DFW for a couple of days. Um, there's the question right there. I was at Arlington Martin for their athletic period. Makai Saina. Um uh, saying Saina is, uh, you know, one of the top offensive tackle, offensive line prospects for Texas. He's visiting June 23rd through 25th. Then I was at Duncanville that afternoon for practice, which, I mean, I don't know. They got 30 Division One players out there. But uh, uh, somebody's asking about Colin Simmons. We'll get into that. DeCorian Moore, the 2025 receivers, the best in the state for me, regardless of classification. Uh, so many talented guys over there. I'll tell you what, their quarterback, Duncanville is going to have the best pure passing quarterback I've seen there come through that school. Um, uh, uh, Kendall Browse, TCU was there watching him. They were his first power five offer. 
Bobby Petrino offered after practice. He wasn't there. They'd been there a couple of days before, but A&M offered after practice. So um, anybody thinking that may only have been – that may be Sample's only state title, mm, watch out. He's actually got the best quarterback he's ever had throwing a football. So it'll be interesting. Then um, was it Lancaster uh, today? And then a couple others we won't talk about yet. Uh, but those are some of the big Texas targets, obviously, that's all. Well, as the question says down there, uh, if you can give us an update on the Colin Simmons visit, Jerry, as asked yeah. by Joseph M. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, here's the thing. Collins says he did not visit, go to the Texas campus when he was in Austin working out this weekend. We'll leave it at that. Um, I think this is will boil down to LSU versus Texas for him at the end of the day. Um, you talked to a couple of people, and I'm not discounting Georgia, right? I'm not saying Florida doesn't have a chance. He's going to go play in the SEC. I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to come down to LSU, Texas. His, his love for LSU is real. Um, there is no doubting that. If you ask other college coaches you may run into on the road, they say, that kid really does love LSU. Uh, there's something about LSU he really likes. Um, there's something about Texas he really likes. You know, one of the things I got from talking to Colin uh, and the story was published on Inside Texas was that Anthony Hill, Jonte Cook, DJ Campbell, all guys um, that he talks to and he's staying in contact with, uh, and obviously a former teammate, Cam Williams, I think that's almost too close. The guys you want to really talk to are the early enrollees, the, the Anthony Hill who's vying for a starting position right out of the gate, Jonte Cook who's going to play a lot uh, from the DFW area right there next to Duncanville. Um, those are the guys that you really want to be a positive force in Colin Simmons' ear, and they are right now. Um, he's not ready to release his official visits. I do believe he'll be at Texas June 23rd through 25th. I, it won't shock me if he's not uh, at LSU, one of their big weekends in June, um, probably Florida. He was at Florida in April. I think he'll go back for an official visit. He really likes Florida. I think it's just too far from home. Um, and uh, and I think, obviously, there's some better program options closer to home right now, too. Um, but, yeah, he that that's kind of the update there. If you talk to people close to that program, one person, interestingly enough, said he thinks it'll really come down the close to home. LSU, Texas, and AM maybe being third at the end of the day. I'm not sure I buy that one, but I do think close to home is going to have an advantage as it gets down to decision time. We'll get to some more of Jerry's questions uh, pertaining to recruiting because I want to hear more about Saina. I know you saw Corey and Gibson today at Lancaster uh, as well. Uh, and then uh, you made it all the way. Uh, over to uh, you are you talked about Saina at Arlington Martin, uh, but I want to talk about those first. I need to say thanks to our sponsor. They sponsor the live stream each and every Tuesday night. Uh, that's Energy Texas in the state of Texas. Your some places allow energy deregulation, so you don't have to just use the same old energy company. You get a chance to shop around for better prices, better service. Uh, give www.energytexas.com a shot. Uh, it's Energy Texas. It's Energy. From the state of Texas, done right. Uh, these guys are uh, Longhorns through and through. 855-461-1129 or go online, www.energytexas.com. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and put up one of these user questions we have right here as it kind of pertains to Gibson, which I know you were going to talk about in a second, Jerry. But E. Kim wants to know, which defensive backs in the 2024 class is Texas in a good position with before the June official visit? You know, I, I, I Blake, Bob, yeah, Blake, Bobby, I think 
I, I think they're doing pretty well with a number of these guys headed in the June. The more, you know, I was at Lancaster today to see Corey Gibson. I really think Texas Clemson. Um, he's Clemson was his dream school. He's been there what will be three times for his June official visit, the second through fourth. Um, I think Texas is in a pretty good spot there. It's a battle with Clemson, but I think they're in a good spot. Um, I actually think headed into the official visits, he may already have a really good idea where he's going to go. He's just going to use these official visits to kind of cement that decision. Um, he's close with Jordan Johnson Rebel, the safety out of Fort Worth, who's at IMG. They both grew up in Fort Worth before Gibson moved over to Lancaster. Uh, I think Texas is in a good spot there. I think Texas is in a pretty good spot with with Kobe Black right now, too. Um, the interesting one's Wardell Mack out of Marrero Eret, the uh, corner um, out of John Eret. And, you know, he's got the official visit scheduled to Florida. He's close with Corey Raymond, Texas. Terry Joseph's done a good job. LSU's there. I'm not sure he's a lock for LSU. I, I think Texas and Florida are very much in that one. Um, so, I mean, you start, you start looking at these DBs who are visiting – um, on the 16th through 18th, 23rd through 25th. And uh, Texas is in a pretty good spot with a lot of these guys. And, and you know, look, they, when you look at it, they do have something to sell there. I mean, Ryan Watts is a senior. He'll depart. Um, Jaron Thompson's a senior safety. He'll depart. Jalen Catalan, you figure, is a last-year player. If he has a healthy year, he departs. Um, so there's some. There's going to be some guys who place a heavy snaps that are going to be departing after this season or can depart if they choose to. Uh, but Texas is in a pretty good spot with a number of these defensive backs heading to June. We'll see how it goes. Well, Bobby, I know you put up a, a poll question here recently. And in my opinion, no surprise, but if we can get that displayed real quick. And it's who will lead Texas in sacks next season? Mm. You had a couple of options up there. Baron Sorrell with the uh, overwhelming majority there, 57% of votes go to him. And like I said, I personally am not surprised. I don't know about y'all's two feelings, but I would imagine y'all are kind of in the same boat as me. I, I'm not surprised by the answer. I, looking further into it, what I am surprised by is the amount of production from sacks that Texas loses next year. Um, Texas was already – they had 27 sacks on the season last year, uh, the Horns did. Baron Sorrell led the team with five and a half. Next was DeMarvian overshone with four. Mora Ojomo had three. Keandre Coburn had two and a half. Diamante Tucker Dorsey had two and a half. So basically, after Sorrell, the next four off the board are gone. Uh, and Texas only had 27 sacks. More than half left the program. So let's be clear about that. That's that's why I think the the discussion we've had about this, Jerry and Blake, about the need for a pass rusher or for someone like Anthony Hill, who finished second in this poll, to come about is so glaring or the need for an Alfred Collins uh, to step up. Because Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, they are both interior guys. They're not naturally interior guys. They're not going to get a lot of sacks, most likely. It'll be guys like an Alfred Collins, who's a pass rusher first, Sorrell, maybe a Ford or an Anthony Hill. Um, Jerry, where did you come out on what Texas needs production wise from, from this group? And uh, yeah. more than that, I mean, Sorrell himself, he was at five and a half last year. We've talked about the eight, eight to 10 range for him in sacks in 2023. Is that about where you're at? 
I think so. I think eight, you know, eight, eight and a half, nine is what they need. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something interesting. This is where being on the road is fun. Look, college coaches know each other, right? They talk to each other. Um, I was talking to somebody um, today and a college coach today I ran into. And they said, oh, the Anthony Hill kid is going to start at Will Linebacker from day one at Texas. And I said, really? I said, oh, yeah, he's that good. That's what I'm hearing from friend this who coaches over there. Well, if that's the case, that percentage may need to go up. Because, you know, look at what Kelvin Banks did. If you're that talented to where you walk in and start from day one, you may end up being the guy with six or seven at the end of the day. So that's why being on the road's fun. You get these conversations that you don't expect. And while we had heard and were told Anthony Hill had a really good spring, it's something different to hear that from a college assistant whose friends on the staff that's telling him this is how good this kid may be. Yeah, I just I think that whether it's Anthony Hill, Ethan Burke, uh, improvement from Alfred Collins and Baron Sorrell, um, whatever the, the the facts are. I think Texas will end up with more than 27 this year. They also have a better secondary, I think, Jerry. They better. And yeah. Well, and, and yeah. you know, we can say what we want because the advanced stats, what was it? The um, the advanced stats that said Texas had all those pressures last year. We didn't see a lot of sacks based out of that. And I expect Correct. them to actually convert more of those this year uh, because they need to. Uh, hey, before we go to the next thing, Blake, I want to I, I want to say something because we didn't mention this at the outset, but we actually have a special guest coming up uh, yeah. later tonight. Uh, and we just totally neglected to say that, <laughs> but uh, a former national champion Longhorn is going to be joining us. Cedric Griffin, uh, who is a track coach now uh, over in the Austin area. Uh, and uh, Jerry was talking with him via Twitter the other day. And uh, Jerry reached out and got him lined up for us, for him to be a guest. Cedric played cornerback. Uh, laid out David Kurtman, the USC fullback in the uh, national championship game. Uh, and uh, certainly it was a big part of that uh, season uh, for the Longhorns. But he should be joining us after track practice, which we think is going to be around 745 Central. So please be on time. Be, please be here for that because I think it'll be fun. That, that will definitely be a good one and a great guess. Well, guys, let's go ahead and jump into the next question here. And this is kind of an interesting one. Brad Chesney says, there's been a suggestion that we're behind on NIL. Is this true? Is that impacting the Micah Hudson recruitment? I, I'm going to take this first, Jerry, if you don't mind. You can go next. I, look, that's just – Texas is not behind on NIL. They just finished number three in the country in recruiting. They just kept every single player they wanted to keep from the portal. Texas is not behind on the, on NIL. There are some aspects of it that everybody wishes they had better and more nailed down, but they are far from behind. Um, and Micah Hudson's recruitment is not going to – I just don't see that being a, a sole differentiator. What, what people need to realize is guys like him and others – they have their choice of where they can go. It, everybody's money is green. It's the same color, right? Um, after that, kids have to choose where they want to be. And so if Texas is behind on the Micah Hudson recruitment, uh, which I don't necessarily agree with, I know some people have suggested it out there, uh, it, it's not because of NIL. That much I can assure you. Uh, I feel like Texas is as good as anybody uh, as it relates to NIL. That doesn't mean there's not 
you know, places they need to improve and all this other stuff. But that's every single college out there right now. Nobody has a perfect mechanism for this as of yet. But uh, Texas, in my opinion, has done as well or better than anybody if you include not only recruiting, but portal and keeping kids to stay, period. Yeah, one thing I'll add to Hudson's recruitment is the more people say, oh, he'll end up at Texas, he's going to Texas, the more he's going to push back. (laughs) (laughs) He's not the guy that loves all these people telling him he should go to Texas, expecting him to go to Texas. Something for Texas fans to remember with that recruitment. That doesn't mean he's not going to Texas, but that's one of the things that he doesn't like about the recruiting process. That I can tell you. All right, guys. Well, let's All right, by the way, we have breaking news. Uh-oh. San Antonio Spurs got the number one pick, so they get Wim Yamba, the next great player in the NBA. Oh, man. That's a huge for the Spurs franchise. They just went up $500 million by getting the number one pick. Yeah. I, hey, they needed a they needed a face for the franchise now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean although I was selfishly hoping the Mavs got it <laughs> with their five percent, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's move on to the next one here. Uh Steve Hernandez says prior to the break, Sark said that Malik was staying on campus to continue treatments for his ankle. Was that still the case? Or is that still the case, rather? Not sure. Uh, that I haven't checked on Malik in uh, a week or so. Uh, but if, if that's what Sark said, that's the case. I will say this Sark is speaking along with Rodney Terry, uh, down in, uh, Houston tonight. Uh, they have got a, uh, little get together with some alums down there as well as Chris Del Conte. Uh, Eric Nalin of Inside Texas is there. Uh, I'll have more, uh, on that meeting, uh, from Eric tomorrow in the state of the program. Uh, but Malik was expected. He's had, this ankle thing has lingered, Jerry, and it's really scary to me because, man, he looked so good in the spring game. That was really only after two and a half weeks of full go. Um, and last year, we know he was off of it for most of the year and then got relegated to scout team. I mean, what, what, at what point do you say, where is this injury going and what, what's the deal with it? Because you want him to be healthy. And then, I mean, Lord knows what he could be if he's just truly healthy for a good lot, a good long time. Well, yeah, you know, my, my thing with Malik is he's a pure pocket guy. He's he, that is what he is. So anything that limits his movement, which is, you know, he's the least athletic of the three quarterbacks. I mean, if you put him through testing and just athletic functional athleticism, he's 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 arches one and Quinn's two and, and Malik's three. So anything that hampers that a little concerns you because he's already a pocket guy. So, um, you know, that's kind of you know the concerning thing to me with him is, is and he hasn't been hit since high school. That's and he's still point. having issues. He hasn't been tackled since high school, since when he got that injury, I believe, in the state title game. So it's been a long time since he's been taking a hit and then he's still having issues with it. Uh, probably a little concern there. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. That is a good point. I never even thought about that with the with the whole hitting deal. Well, let's shift gears back over to recruiting for a second. King Me says, what's the three biggest Red River recruiting battles this summer? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Daniel Cruz first, Jerry. Let's, Daniel Cruz interior offensive line. Yep, Beaton Balls put everything they have into that. There's an OU connection there at, the, at Richland High on that staff. Not a push. 
Uh, but I think Texas is the favorite. You know, what's interesting is when you start looking at some Texas OU battles, you know, you almost got to mention Dominic McKinley, the defensive lineman at Acadiana and Lafayette, because while everybody says, oh, he's just going to end up at LSU, he's going to officially visit Oklahoma and Texas back-to-back weeks in June, and he loved both of those visits. Um, and his parents were with him on both of those unofficial visits, and the brothers been offered by both of those schools, right? So could the Texas OU with LSU battle be brewing uh, there? I mean, that's certainly possible. Um, what, what's interesting to me is there's, you know, it's Texas is in more battles maybe with LSU. I kind of wrote about that, both of them this weekend, but writing about both of them this weekend, the LSU-Texas battles are really impactful because they cross state lines both ways. Um, but but I'm just trying to think Oklahoma, um, you know, like I was there, Makai Sayana didn't make the cut. Corin Gibson didn't make the cut with him. So Oklahoma, Colin Simmons, not really in the mix there. Um, so you kind of start thinking about that and you're like, OK, it's hard to come up with five legitimate ones. Right. Um, one could be if Texas can get him on campus, Joseph Jonah Janye from Oak Ridge. But he's at Georgia this weekend. I think Georgia is the favorite, despite all that everybody's starting to say Oklahoma's the favorite. Once Georgia offered, I think that changed the course of that recruitment. But one that Texas and OU is battling on, and Oklahoma's ahead of Texas, and that Texas is really going to work on that recruitment. Uh, but so there's maybe not as many. Look, there's no Jamarcus McFarlane in this class, right? Uh, to where it, the met, both message boards are just going to be living on every word the kid says or the update on what the mom has to say. I mean, there's nothing like that in this class. Or Ad- let's use a better one, Adrian Peterson, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or yeah. Earl Campbell. Uh, Earl Campbell's another one, by the way. Hey, hey here's one that I came up could, with. Could you, ima- could you imagine Adrian Peterson's recruitment today, Ooh. like with, with the internet – with social media, with us on these live streams. I mean, Guy Adrian missed it by about 17 years. <laughs> His NIL evaluation would have been off the chart. So Here's one, Zena Umiozulu. There, yeah. He, he's Zena. he's Texas OU top two probably right now. Right. Um, yeah. Of course, his, his brother Neto plays at Texas. Um, and so that may be one. I agree with you. It's interesting as Texas goes to east to the SEC – uh, the lot, a lot of the Dallas kids are already looking at LSU and A&M as is. Houston kids are primarily Texas and A&M and LSU. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see exactly where LSU, where Oklahoma goes uh, for a lot of its recruits. I think they're, they're still going to try to recruit nationally because that's, that's what they kind of morphed to under not only Lincoln Riley, but also uh, Bob Stoops late in his term there. Yeah. Well, kind of- Staying on this whole OU, and I know you mentioned McKinley a second ago, but Gamers Live wants to know, what's the latest on defensive line recruiting? I'm still not liking OU with all the momentum with top defensive linemen, guys, this cycle. What's the word, Jerry? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure where the OU with all the momentum is, is coming from. Um, obviously, uh, I think the Williams and the Juan Airy, the big five-star out of Missouri, who Texas is an in on out of St. Louis. Uh, he's got the OU connection on that staff. Um, Alex January's more, you know, Oklahoma's trying to get him to come in late July, August for a visit. Right now, that's Texas LSU. A lot of LSU flavor at Duncanville these days, by the way. I will say that. Um, and a lot of Texas flavor. So um, I'm not sure I buy that, but Texas defensive line recruiting as a whole. Let, let's just start with the May 20 or June 23rd through 25th visitors. You have TJ Lindsay. Bo Davis was by the school in Bryan, Arkansas. He's currently at Bryant High. 
I'm giving a hint here. Um, they uh, Bo was by that school yesterday. He's coming in the 23rd through 25th. He's going to A&M earlier in June. Uh, I think Texas is right there. Notre Dame's involved, a couple others involved uh, with T.J. Lindsey. Jaden Jackson, which Texas will have three coaches at the IMG spring game tomorrow to see Jaden Jackson, Jordan Johnson, Rebel, and Jarrett Gibson. Jaden Jackson, um, I think, is Texas, Ohio State with Miami 30. He was at Miami last weekend, headed into June visits. He'll also visit Florida, probably Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma. Now that David Stone is probably who this guy's talking about. David Stone's from Oklahoma. Um, so David Stone is there. Look, there's some people at IMG that think Jaden Jackson's a better player, despite their big difference in rankings there. Terrence Hebler out of Lexington, uh, Mississippi, Holmes County. That looks more Texas Bama right now. He goes to Bama June 2nd through 4th, Texas the 23rd through 25th. Um, so, you know, you start working down that list. I was at Orlando Jones a couple of weeks ago, DeAndre Robinson. That's Texas versus Florida, four-star kid, 6'3", 305. Um, you look at Isaiah Funga out of Phoenix City, Alabama. He's committed to Utah. Now, college coaches have been thinking he was going to decommit for two-plus months now, and he hasn't. His uncle is Lewis Powell, the defensive line coach for the Utes. But if he decommits, Texas immediately becomes the favorite um, over Alabama, Auburn, uh, maybe LSU in there as well. So look, Texas is in on a lot of really good, and there's Melvin Hills. So I think the Texas staff likes more than maybe the Texas fan base does. Um, he, he was, his junior tape is coming off an ACL. I think he's going to look like a totally different player next year. Um, and he's a guy who has the motor. He has the want to out of Lafayette Christian Academy. He's visiting June 16th through 18th. Texas is in on a lot of really good players on the defensive line. I think they're going to get three or four of them. I, I really do believe they're going to do that. I mean, look, the reality is Alfred Collins is gone. Tavondre Sweat's gone. If Byron Murphy has a great year, he's gone. Um, there's a lot of opportunity for three or four of those kids to come in and compete right away, and that still does matter. Uh, Jerry, we got another one here for you that you might want to touch on real quick. And Zachary Delgado wants to know where Texas is at with Freddie DuBose. He's been hearing more about other wide receivers. That's a good question. Um He's scheduled to visit June 16th through 18th. Um, Micah Hudson's top of the board. I think Parker Livingstone's a guy Texas really likes. He's coming in the 23rd through 25th. See if Texas can make any headway on Bryant Wesco. Now that Oklahoma seemingly has fallen off of that. His sister's no longer there on the soccer team. Um, LSU, again, in Dallas is really strong right now, maybe emerging as a team to beat for Wesco. Um, so we'll see if Texas can make a run there. Texas was by – Brownsboro last week to see G. Kyle Baker. We'll see if they set up an official visit there. But then you have the out-of-state guys. I know Bobby wants to mention JoJo Stone, who uh, LSU commitment out of Atlanta area. That's Tashar Choice, Chris Jackson. He set up June 16th through 18th official visit. Uh, and then you have Wingo, five-star, high four-star out of the St. Louis area. It's coming in June 16th through 18th. Uh, obviously, Wingo's ahead of DuBose, right? I mean, Wingo would probably be the number two guy on your board behind Micah Hudson. Um, but will he bypass Georgia, who's been on him longer, or will he actually stay home and go to Missouri? We'll see. Uh, Georgia's got a lot of juice right now on the recruiting trail. But So they have a lot of guys coming in. Where does the boast fall? I think he's probably down the list a little bit. But, again, another guy who's coming off an ACL, so there's a bit of an unknown. He came back and competed at the state track meet, ran the quarter, I believe. Uh, but we'll see what he looks like on the football field next year coming off the ACL. Jerry, hey, Jerry, there's another guy I want to ask you about, a guy out of Dangerfield, Aaron Hampton, uh, the wide receiver, defensive back. Texas recruiting him as an athlete 
or as a wide receiver? What, what, what are they looking at him? Because I know he's down to two schools, and I think he makes up his mind here in the next month or so, right? Yeah, and, and you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, when you get down to two schools, you better be able to commit to one of them. <laughs> I mean, I, and, you know, so we'll see. I mean, Aaron's recruitment's been a little bit of a – uh, a little winding East Texas road there from Carthage to Dangerfield and around and around. Um, so, you know, we'll see there. I think it's wide receiver if Texas takes him. Got it. All right, guys, this is a question for the both of you. Alan Barrera wants to know, do y'all expect Isaiah Nayor to make an impact for the 23 season? Boy, I do. Uh, I expect him to. I, I think that you're looking at him as the number four receiver right now. Um, if he's healthy, he could be the number two or three receiver. Um, I, I just feel like, uh, Jerry, you saw the video yesterday, like I'm sure you did too, of him mm -hmm. working out, uh, in, uh, he's, he looks good, but it's, it's almost somewhat similar to what we saw with, with, uh, Malik Murphy until he hits contact with that knee. You just don't know. Um, and that's what you got to cross your fingers about. Everything looks good though. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian is especially high on this young man. And, and, and from talking to those close to the program, everybody knows physically he's just such a different guy. He's even physically different than A.D. Mitchell. Um, A.D. Mitchell's a big guy out there for the Texas receivers group. Nayor is a little bit bigger. Yeah, I think, and, and here's the thing with Nayor. I'm, I hope a bigger guy, I hope he's just – continues to be careful in those workouts. He doesn't need to load all that weight a lot right now. He needs to be get ready to roll by August, uh, first off. Um, talked to somebody very close to him kind of driving around today, and uh, they thought he's very much on track. They think he's, he's, he's a good place mentally about it, which I think is huge coming off an injury like he had, especially when A.D. Mitchell transferred in, because I know that caused a little pause for him. Uh, but he stayed in there at Texas. Um, he's going to go in there and compete. But here's what here's what I here's the thing I look at with Texas is last year when he went down, it deflated the whole everybody that knew how good he was looking. Um, and it really because you took a couple of wins away, I think, with that injury. Realistically, this year, he's a total bonus. Like, you know, we're sitting there every week. We say, is Texas going to win nine or 10 games? Well, we're sitting there saying 10 games. You don't even know what he's going to do. If he comes back and is 90% of what we saw before he got hurt and you put him with A.D. Mitchell, which today I ran into a college coach, again, friends with somebody over there, said A.D. Mitchell's the best receiver in the program. I said, what? And they said, yes. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. So you put him in there with A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington and John T. Cook, who's getting a lot of good reviews, and DeAndre Moore, and suddenly, I mean, you have a chance to be very, very good at that position. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I just, I've been around a long time, Jerry. Yeah. I mean, they haven't had this. They yeah. he, Back when they had Roy Williams, B.J. Johnson, they didn't have this. No. And they, they just couldn't cycle through them like this. I mean, right. the best number four receiver I think they've ever had was Brandon Collins. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to I'm give you an – they've never had three like this, much less four. So. Right. Agreed. All NFL guys, potentially. All of yeah. them. It's impressive. Hey, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas. Not back east, not overseas, but Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy 
against big power. That's www.energytexas.com. All right, guys, I'm going to skip around here and uh, kind of stay on some team questions for a moment. Yep. And Jackie McCardell Jr. wants to know, with our wide receiver core, do you see Sanders' catches going down? How will our receivers impact Sanders' production next season? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. I don't see him going down, personally. I actually see him increasing because I think he's going to take people a little bit different. Uh, He's going to have a little bit different uh, ability to get open, uh, so many times, Texas doubled uh, the field side uh, to Xavier Worthy, and that kept him. He was also on the field side so often with that blocking H-back. Um, I don't see that going down, not with uh, how Steve Sarkeesian likes to likes to run things. That's, that's my opinion on that. I, no, I, I think he's going to be an even tougher matchup for teams this year because of what we just talked about at wideout. Mm-hmm. So could he have five less cl- catches and just as much, many yards and maybe more touchdowns? Absolutely. He's going to have a better season even if he has five less receptions. Hey, 54 catches, 513 yards last year. I Look, I don't think Texas Heck completed 248 passes last year. Okay? I think that they're going to be looking at 300 this year. Just the big change because of the focal point of the offense fundamentally changes. It, I mean, B. John Robinson is gone. Jonathan Brooks, if he's a good back, great. He's not B. John Robinson, right? Um, you had 300 catches up, split them up. I, I don't, I don't think there's any way he goes down this year, but we'll see. I could see 65 and around 750 for for Jatavian Sanders this year, which is. Just tremendous work for amount of work for a tight end. Definitely. And I think that's fair. All right, guys. Next question is from Ashton Hallman. And uh, he apparently asked this a few weeks ago, but he's going to ask it again. Uh, over under on Anthony Hill playing 90% of snaps this season. At 90 is just a high number. I mean, that's that's a high number. I, that's, that's asking a lot. That means a freshman's not going to hit a wall. That means he's going to be just as good in coverage as he is rushing the passer. Um, I just – I don't see that number. Um, could I see 70 75%? Sure. But, you know, Texas is going to rotate players. I mean, that's – you know, if, if you're having to play guys 90% of the snaps, that's not ideal, really. That means you haven't recruited depth like you ideally want to to have those guys fresh in the fourth quarter uh, of games that are going to be track meet games. And the interesting thing, though, is here's one thing I, I'm interested to see, guys, because I think we – when we talk about stats, we have to keep this in mind, but it may help guys. Some guys play more percentage of snaps. Is 
the, uh, the clock's not going to stop on first downs anymore. So how is that going to affect games statistically? It feels like it's going to be one less possession for each team potentially. So is that going to be harder to sub in and out for these defensive coordinators at times? So maybe the starters play more snaps this year. You you just made me mad, Jerry. <laughs> I, and, and I'll tell you why. That That's my column for tomorrow. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I literally have been working on this piece for two days about how I've looked up like I've got like six or seven different sources on how long and how much the game they predict will be chopped. Um, it's a little over a possession a game per team. Yeah. So and what what people don't realize, though, is number of plays is different than number of possessions. Correct. So uh, basically an average possession is six plays right now in college football. And so you're talking about 12 to 15 plays. That's going to be interesting because, you know, MLB, the owners aren't happy with the uh, pitch clock because they've lost on beer sales. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have to stop, they have to stop so, in the sixth inning and, you know. So now we're, now we're speeding the college game up a little bit more, right? Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting to me because I will say this as well. The NFL gets away with that in large part because its referee group is so good. Yeah, I mean, they spot the ball like, I mean, they're pros. I mean, they spot the ball. Whereas I just see guys in the college game officials, no offense if you're an official out there, but I see them, I, I wouldn't say they're lollygagging or anything. It's just they're not in sync as a team and as quick as the pro guys are. And so the one thing I was thinking is I think you can lose another two or three seconds um, out there just from the uh, discontinuity, I guess, of, of the uh, official group. Hey, hey, by the way, does this, since I already ruined Bobby's column, but so do I read it tomorrow, um, because it'll be great. Um, does it help running teams? Does oh, it, yeah. Does, yeah. Does, does it, is, are, is this going to be, is this maybe going to force more run game? Is that going to change the way you call plays at times a little bit? I think it does. And this is what I was coming, one of the things I came to the conclusion of. I think it does at the end of the five minute mark of a half, as opposed to the two minute mark, nothing changes there. Yeah. Um, it's just too much. There's, there's too much time left um, at five minutes that it, if you're going to get first downs, you're going to want to get them that way. Uh, but look, the, the max you save is 10 seconds per yeah. play after a first down. It's not like you're going to save 20 seconds, right? Um, right. It's more going to be in the five to seven second range is what they, they think. So we'll have to wait and see. I, I think it's going to be an interesting piece on what ends up happening. All right, guys, uh, before we go on to the next question, I do want to tell everybody to get your questions in. Of course, we still got time uh, before Cedric comes on. So be sure to get those in or if you have any questions for him. So next question here is from Joseph. I get the, by the way, I get the first question. I get the first Cedric Griffin question. <laughs> <laughs> deal all right so joseph m says i feel like we have quit on justice finkley in some way he has just never talked about anymore will his playing time not escalate this year or is it burke's job to lose burke, burke won the job in the spring he, he started over over finkley uh moved ahead of him um and the issue in my opinion is texas feels like they have enough run stoppers right now um and uh, Finkley is more of a run stopper, whereas Burke is more of a pass rusher, longer, a little quicker, a little faster. Um, but 
I don't think anybody's given up on him. He's in the two deep, so he's going to play. Uh, the question is how productive will he be and whether or not he can actually overtake uh, Ethan Burke after after coming in ahead of Ethan, most most definitely. I mean, he fakely played more than Burke last year, uh, but at the same time, uh, Burke had, had a little bit more upside because of the length and had a little more, more growth potential, I think. Uh, and so we're going to see if that how that plays out. I'm not so sure uh, that Finkley doesn't find his way in the starting lineup if they start using Anthony Hill on third downs as a rush guy on the outside and take Finkley off the off the field in that role. That then you could see Finkley be a first and second down guy ahead of Ethan Burke to stop the run. Okay, working man here. He wants to know if Texas sacks rise six times that game. Will anybody be surprised? Jerry, you go for that one. I mean, <laughs> I've been answering myself. I've, I've been answering a lot of these. You go for it. They better. I mean, I will <laughs> get the ball out quick. Um, and that will be the game plan. But if the interior of the defensive line is as good as we think it could be as far as a disruptive force, that should be a game that really shows up and is sustained. And if you can flush that pocket, then you can get sacks. You can take them off schedule. I, I think they've got it. I don't know about six. I, I would say four uh, would be a, a big night, but it, six is definitely not out of the – I think one, if they get one, <laughs> come out of there with one, we're all going, uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. Because that's not going to look good later in the year. No. No. I, I think we're all in agreement there. All right, guys. This next one is a two-part question here, and it's from 817, a.k.a. Mr. Talk Too Much. Do you see the Texas Tech game as being a de facto Big 12 title game this year? And do you see Derek Williams starting by the season's end? Two great questions. Bobby? I, it can't be the Big 12 title game because there is a Big 12 title game. They they could play two weeks in a row. Tech, that would be Tech plays on uh, Texas plays Texas Tech at home the day after Thanksgiving. The very next weekend is the uh, Big Twelve Championship game. Oh. So that could absolutely happen. Will it happen? I'm not. Look, Tech is still a little is is a little one deep for me. Uh, they have a talented team, more talented than they've been in a while. But I do think they're they're still a little one deep in places. Doesn't mean they're not on the come or, or doing a good job. Um, so I would, I, I hesitate on them being a conference favorite. Now, as far as Derek Williams starting by season's end, that will depend in my opinion on injury uh, to Jaron Thompson and Jalen Catalan, because those two guys uh, both are three-year starters and you're not getting those guys off the field for a true freshman, uh, not as a starter. Uh, when you're going to play in a league that throws the ball, around like Texas. I mean, you're going to play Texas Tech with a true freshman safety? What? Yeah. That not unless you're going to play him in the box. You know, that, that you don't do that. So, that's my take. Uh by the way, Texas Tech I, I actually pretty favorable schedule they have. I mean, their Big 12 schedules at West Virginia, Houston at home, at Baylor, Kansas State at home, at BYU, TCU at home, at Kansas, UCF at home, at Texas. That's a uh they definitely got the the schedule to where that game at the end of the year is going to be meaningful for tech. And a lot of that's going to come down 
I, you guys know I love Baron Morton. I think that guy will be a draft pick one day. Um, but slow is going to start the season. We'll see how that goes. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see. I'm with Bobby health-wise, especially defense. Um, while their schedule's favorable, they still have to play all those games and get to that point as a healthy team. I'd much rather play Tech late in the year than early in the year. I can tell you that. Well, let me uh, kind of, you know, going off this question that was just asked, Texas Tech has gotten a lot of love um, in, on various message boards from the media already. Uh, I was scrolling through Reddit the other day, and people were picking them as a dark horse to be in the college football playoff. What do y'all think about – I mean, I know y'all talk about the depth there, but do y'all think that hype is, you know, should they be getting that hype this early on? I mean, I know that y'all know Joey – uh, and it, but taking all that out of it, do you think they deserve the hype? Shoot, can you even get a tortilla in Lubbock right now? I mean, <laughs> I mean, is there one left on the Kroger's? Are they out? I mean, it's it's a little much for me. I mean, look, I mean, look. Here's the thing, though. This is what I've always said made Joey McGuire really good. Is I, I you know, you guys know Blake. I went Bobby. I went to Cedar Hill for years. The energy and the confidence that he gets his guys to have and play with has always impressed me. Um, so I think these guys are going to play above their head. It, it is, I think Joey's really good at that. Now, does that mean I think they're going to college football playoff? No. But I do think it's a team that's going to play above their head a little bit because they're going to believe that they should be in that game with anybody. Uh, so I think that will be interesting. But here's the what the, the flip side of that is: When's the last time Tech had expectations? These kids haven't had expectations before, and now they do, and that changes the game a little bit. Quarterbacks coming back, which is good. Yeah, um, and they've got a backup quarterback that's good or good enough. Um, my issue again is is depth. Uh, yeah. They are one deep primarily on defense, pretty good on defense. But they also lost their best safety uh, to Oklahoma. You know what I mean? They graduated heavily on the defensive line. Um, they don't have they have they don't have the depth that a TCU had on defense to make that type of run. They may have some nice players like TCU had on defense, um, but and as far as offense is concerned, I think they're going to be fine on offense. Uh, but I'm not so sure they have that type of talent on offense like TCU had last year either uh, to make that sort of run. I, I Look, I like Joey McGuire as a coach. There's no debating that, in my opinion. And I do think that he is a guy that lifts all ships. Uh, to your point, Jerry, like he makes people believe and, and creates a, a culture that is a, a good one. At the same time, uh, not sure they're ready for that in Lubbock. They, they win in Lubbock. They don't win very often on the road. Yeah, And there's a reason for that. All right, guys, let's jump over to some recruiting questions now. Uh, let's see here. Peter DeGrate wants to know, how's Texas looking for the 409 Jasper linebacker? I love that you call them 409. And by the way, I wish eight, 17 years ago they were looking good for Sean Weatherspoon. But I guess <laughs> Mac would have had the offer. Um, but uh, Ty Anthony Smith now. I think Texas is looking really good for him, actually. Um, he, he's going to visit AM June 2nd through 4th. USC the 16th through 18th, and then Texas the 20th through 22nd, that Monday, Tuesday visit, because he has a family cruise that leaves the weekend of the Texas big visit weekend. They leave the 24th on a 
family crew, so he couldn't come in that weekend. But I just think adjusting his visit schedule to make sure he comes in in June, um, it says something. I was at Jasper, I don't know, three weeks ago at this point, and I got the impression that was one Texas could win. That's a recruitment they could win. Um, I do think they're probably the favorite right now headed into June visits. He really likes USC. I just don't see that at the end of the day. If I'm wrong, y'all can tell me. Um, but I, I do think Texas can beat uh, Texas A&M on this one. All right. This next question here, guys, is from Tony Slots. And I, I know what the fans are going to say. They already know the answer for what the fans would say. But, Jerry, what defensive recruit is the most important for the overall class of 24? The can't-miss guy. I just saw him. It's Colin Simmons, yep. no doubt about it. Um, look, he was an alpha male on the field at practice Monday in a sea of alpha males. I mean, they got 30 Division One players on the football field. Bobby, they had six. I would count six power five defensive backs. Six. You know, you've been doing this long enough, you walk out there and you just know. Six power five DBs on that roster. Alex January on that roster. DeCorian Moore, who I, if there's a better receiver in the country in 2025, you know, he's a top two guy for sure. I mean, he's the best, he's the most talented receiver in the state, bar none, period. It doesn't matter what class. Uh, he's a freak. And uh, he's he's got a different type of movement and gear to him, DeCorian Moore. But Colin Simmons was the alpha, and he knows he's the alpha. And he is, he displays the confidence that you want to go with all the athleticism that you see. And he's an intelligent kid and he's at Duncanville. And that is a recruit that LSU, Georgia, and Bama want to beat Steve Sarkeesian, those guys badly on. If Texas wins this one, this is one of those um, that everybody will have to tip their hat and say, okay, yeah, Texas is not only going to get offensive players, but they're now getting big time defensive players. And he's the edge guy. We won't have to have the poll question of who's going to lead Texas in sacks. Okay. If he comes to Texas. I look, I used to go up to Dallas Carter the same way. Yep. Jerry. I mean, it's just North Shore, uh, back when David Avon was there. They they've continued that at North Shore, but it's it's just different uh when you walk into schools like that. I I, I remember, you know, going into go see I'll, I'll give you one. Uh go see Austin Bowie and walk in and there's Michael Griffin. Right. Sitting there, right? And Marcus Griffin was there. Marcus wasn't even a scholarship guy at Texas to start. And then you do the same trip and you go see some, you know, 10 kids at, at North Shore. And you're just like, how does, how would Bowie ever even approach playing against a North Shore? And right. um, the reality of it is, is that great players can come from anywhere. Uh, but guys like uh, Reggie Samples, they do a great job of creating a program uh, and bringing players into that program, making it the place uh, for guys to, to have their kids go play at. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's be honest, because when you have, when you can say, look, if he, if he comes here, I had 30 guys or 20 guys in this program in the last two years signed Division One scholarships. That means something to mom and dad about where they live. Yes. Uh, and they could go to DeSoto and probably do the same thing, by the way, right now. So it's uh, it's impressive. Uh, Colin Simmons, though, sounds like the kind of guy you want on your roster uh, and that can change games. And I would say this to, to your comment, Jerry and Blake, about uh, him being the can't-miss alpha. Uh, guys that can win games for you are rare, period. Mm -hmm. There are guys that help you win games. Don't get me wrong. But guys that can win games, 
there's not very many of those. Yeah. And if, if you're describing him as that kind of guy, because he may get two or three sacks against a, a first round, a first round left tackle, Jerry, then th that's, that's a guy that wins games. Yeah, so. no doubt. Okay, this next recruiting question, guys, comes from David Williams, and he says, I always view UT as the good guys regarding recruiting players that are injured. With Terry Bussey, who's his favorite 24 recruit, being injured, does UT go after him harder while others shy away? Well, I, Texas hadn't really made a big, strong push there. Um, prior prior to the injury. Prior yeah. to the injury, yeah. So I, I, that's A&M's recruitment to lose. Um, uh, but will Texas, since they hadn't already made a strong push, it's hard to see them – Deciding they are now. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I I couldn't agree more. So I, I think that they weren't – I got the sense they weren't in love with him like they were some other defensive backs, just frankly. Um, Corian Gibson's one that you saw today, Jerry. Tell, tell folks about him a little bit, the Lancaster DB, uh, mm -hmm. because I know Texas likes him a lot at either corner or safety, but he wants to be a corner. Is that right? Yeah, he wants to start his career corner, and Texas has shifted that recruitment from Blake Gideon and Sarkeesian to Terry Joseph and Sarkeesian and a little bit of Blake Gideon. Uh, Corey will say, I, I'll, I can play anywhere. I just want a shot at corner, right? Similar to Terrence Brooks' recruitment. Um, but Corian is – the interesting thing with Corian is he was a slide-a-build kid about a year and a half ago. Last time I was at Lancaster before today, a few probably a couple of months ago, he looked like a college corner physically at that time. He has put in a lot of work. He's a legit six foot and a half, 175 now. He was probably 160 a year, 14 months ago. He's put in the work, but the main thing with him, he's retained his speed. He's still a 10-7 guy. So he's added 15 pounds and retained his speed, quickness, and athleticism. Again, I think Tech. Texas Clemson are locked in a battle. He's also visiting Alabama the 9th through 11th. He's at Clemson the 2nd through 4th, Texas 23rd through 25th. I think he'll visit Ohio State probably the 16th through 18th and may take a official visit to TCU midweek somewhere. Uh, but I think that's Texas Clemson. And, uh, you know, I, I think he knows where he's going headed into June. He just wants to make sure. All right. I want to say thanks to our uh, uh, sponsor uh, tonight. Uh, as always on Tuesday nights, this show is brought to you by Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people from the great state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. That's www.energytexas.com. We're waiting on Cedric Griffin still, guys. I've texted with him. Uh, he is still running late. Uh, what we may do is actually have him come on Friday during the day when he's not at practice, or I'll get him on a separate interview altogether. One of the things we want to talk about was his uh, comment, Jerry, on Jelani McDonald. Uh, the Texas uh, signee out of Waco Connolly was at the state meet this past weekend. Cedric Griffin's son, uh, Swade Griffin, uh, who's a uh, place for Lago Vista uh, was actually at the state meet as well. So Cedric has seen him a couple weekends in a row and he really came, came away uh, impressed with Jelani McDonald. Tell folks a little bit about what you saw there and, and heard from Cedric. Yeah. I talked to Ced on the phone for about five, 15 minutes today, maybe 20. And we were talking about a lot of things. Um, and, but it, he said that, you know, the reason 
we've connected is over Jelani McDonald. And he said, look, here's what I'll tell you about Jelani. He said, I've seen him a couple of times. Like, as you said, his son competes against him in track meets. But he said, like, at the state meet, he said, he was like, I think what he does, it impresses Cedric, who obviously is a national championship ring, second round pick, six, seven year career in the league, is I think he scratched maybe on his first two jumps in the triple um, at the state meet and didn't get down, didn't hang his head. He said, and Cedric said he watched him and he said the kid went back with still nothing changed with his demeanor. He was still talking to the same people he was before. He goes over and stretches extra. Um, he got ready mentally. He stayed in his focus. He said, Cedric said he showed the ability to focus when things weren't going well and respond to an adverse situation, then went and threw out a 47 in the triple jump. He said, so he recovered from a bad start. He stayed locked in. He didn't lose it mentally. He wasn't immature. He said he stayed locked in. He actually even went out there and got even more prepared for his last couple of jumps, stretched, really focused in. He said he had that focus that you have to have to be a successful football player in the heat of the battle. He said that really impressed him watching how he responded to adversity. And, and that meant a lot to me because, you know, one of the things I've learned in this business over the years, Bobby, is I like to go when I think a kid may lose a game, not when they're going to go win. I want to see him when they're going to lose, see his helmet gets thrown on the sideline. Are they a good teammate? Are they coachable at all? Because, you know, you pick up things on these guys when they're in adverse situations. And sometimes that's not even in football. That's in basketball. I saw an incident with Vince Young at Madison, which – kind of reared its head way down the line, um, but not in college. He was too dominant on the field. But, you know, you see when you can see those guys respond to adversity, be mature and almost professional about the way they go about it, that says a lot of good things. And, you know, Cedric thinks he's got the feet and the ability to play that safety position, star position. I think Texas sees him more as a linebacker out from his frame. I think Cedric's hoping he gets a chance at safety. I, look, I'm, I'm a I'm a big believer in dual sport athletes. He's a three sport athlete, yeah, uh, and, and not at a minor level, right? And that you're 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 playing. What what did he average in basketball, Jerry? Oh, he was all he was all region, maybe seventeen and nine or something in that range. Right? Yeah, and then you long jump forty seven, and then you sign a football letter of intent with Texas. Yeah, you're good. You're a good athlete. <laughs> you know, hey, by the way, by the way, did, did Waco High have a pretty good linebacker crew back then? Uh, Derek Johnson <laughs> and yeah. Lamarcus McDonald. <laughs> yeah. Lamarcus McDonald's there too. Um, yeah. I, I look at I look at guys. Uh, you know, I wrote an article on Monday uh, about when former players talk about guys, they talk differently about them, and uh, I, I I give a lot of credit to guys that have actually seen it uh, yeah. happen, and I think that's that's a big one. Um, I want to, I want to mention this real quick, Jerry, also, uh, because I've, I've got you here a little bit. Tyrese Hunter, uh, the, uh, basketball point guard for the Longhorns. Uh, we were hope we were thinking that he was going to announce whether he was staying or going to the NBA or, uh, G league or wherever, uh, or coming back to Texas, but there's been a fly in the ointment there in the last, uh, 24, 48 hours that is unfortunate. Uh, I don't know exactly what you want to divulge or feel like you can divulge, but that that decision seems like it's on hold for personal reasons, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, there's a death in the family. I will say that. So 
um, that is going to delay uh, his, his expected delay. His announcement it could be denied. It could be tomorrow. Next day, we'll see. Uh, but I th- still think things are positive there on his return. Um, as we've talked about, uh, he didn't get the NBA uh, combine invite, which I think is kind of makes your decision for you. Um, he didn't jump in the portal. He's already transferred once. So unless he just wants to take a shot overseas, it leads uh, uh, everybody to believe he's coming back to Texas. And I do think that's expected. Things change, but I think that's expected. I think that'd be a huge piece for Texas. You suddenly have a uh, backcourt as far as the you know starters can go with about anybody. They're a little short, but, man, they're – really athletic with Hunter. He can guard the ball. Max Aceman can is can scored as well as anybody in college basketball. Then you have Weaver off the bench. You got to get that fourth guard and the uh, small forward as well. But uh, if Tyrese Hunter does announce he, he's going to return as expected here in the next few days, then Texas will be two pieces away. That's a fourth guard and a big wing. Um, the interesting thing with that will be, I'll just give people an update. They're in on Tyron Lawrence out of Vanderbilt. Does Tyron Lawrence go to Auburn? Does he go to Texas? Or does he return to Vanderbilt? Uh, That's what's interesting there. Um, He can transfer to another SEC school because he entered the portal before May 1st. That gets to the small forward Julian Phillips out of Tennessee, who's still in the draft. He went in the portal after May 1st. So he can't go to Auburn, which is who he chose Tennessee over coming out of high school. You can't go SEC to SEC if you enter the portal after May 1. That rule's going to change. They're going to meet on that in Destin. So for Texas fans, that's going to be go away quickly here. But it does matter right now. So that's looking like Texas, Kansas State, if he doesn't stay in the draft. Then there's Arthur Kaluma from Creighton, who's in the portal. That's Arizona or Texas. I don't. People don't expect him to stay in the draft. Most people think he goes to Arizona. We'll see. He, he spent time in Texas. Then he finished high school in Arizona. Those are really the three main guys right now. Then the grad transfers can transfer at any time. They're not They're not held to that May 11th portal date. And so when two or three of those names pop, there will be a couple I'll update Texas fans on. All right, guys. Well, we got time for about two questions or so, and I'm going to switch gears here on you all. And I think this is an interesting question. And I'm probably going to butcher the username, but Thogeta, Thogeta has a reporting question for y'all. How did you start off to get into the positions y'all are in now? Y'all started before social media. Any recommendations for young people interested in the same field of work? I did. There was no such thing as social media. There was no <laughs> such thing as the internet when I started. How about that? Um, uh, I got into it uh, as an undergrad at Texas. Uh, I went up and asked David McWilliams for a job, any job. I'd work for free. And I ended up uh, being a video assistant uh, to the guy that was filming all the practices and all the games, uh, as well as doing some recruiting cutups uh, for uh, the recruiting staff. Went from there uh, and then went into private business uh, with a, a friend uh, and kept doing it from then on. Uh, and I've been doing it for 30 plus years now. I graduated Texas in 1992 and I've been doing this since I guess 1989 when I was an undergrad at Texas when I first started. So uh, it's been a labor of love for me. It, social media, internet, y'all don't even, 900 number was it, was it, it was the thing back in the day now. Yeah. Me, uh, my dad coached a long time in Texas. People know that I grew up with it. Um, I grew up as a ball boy on Friday nights, uh, getting run over on the sidelines when I wasn't paying attention. Right. Um, you did all those things, but, uh, you know, you grew up Friday nights and, you know, the interesting thing is 
is, you know, I'd go when my dad would go scout and, you know, I'd go to high school games with them. Um, and that's where I really started following these guys in recruiting. Right. And, you know, it, it's interesting, uh, Bobby, I, I tell a story all the time. I remember I was at a game, I think it was Angleton at Galveston ball and Derek Harris was running downhill on ball and they got up two touchdowns and somebody cut the lights in the stadium. And I said, Oh yeah, this is fun. I love this stuff. I didn't that night, but I did after that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, we've all got these crazy stories. Like I think somebody rocked the, the uh, they threw rocks through all the windows of the Angleton bus that night. And <laughs> don't score two touchdowns in five minutes. It's our tours. Now we're going to shut the lights out and we're going to shatter your windows and send you home. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, look, it's, it's interesting. One of the things that about this business that's so cool to me is, um, is when you see these guys nowadays and you compare them to old players when you were younger, right? To this day, Casey Hampton's still the best high school defensive lineman I've ever seen. And I was part of the Under Armour game with all the number one picks. There are guys drafted higher. There are guys that are more talented. Never seen a better defensive lineman than Casey Hampton in high school football to this day. And that's been a long time now. And that's saying something. He bench pressed 390 pounds as a freshman yes. in high school. Could stand under the goal and dunk a basketball. <laughs> six foot three ten. This senior year could do that. Three ten. Three ten. He could dunk a basketball at six foot tall. I'm struggling to touch the net these days. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel the the thing that I would say to you: any rec recommendations for young people interested in the same field of work? Um, practice writing because that's a big part of the job. Uh, you never can write enough. Uh, and then also go to see some games. Give people your thoughts. Uh, that sort of stuff helps you get going. And then, you know, send send your resume in. Uh, not only to On3, which is what we're network we're a part of, but Rivals 24-7. Uh, you know, they're, they're always hiring and looking for young people that are interested in, in this sort of stuff. Uh, the thing that I would tell you is I would always suggest uh, that you be very passionate about it because this is a, a a job that can run people down a little bit because it is so much travel. It is so much work uh, and that if you really don't love it, uh, it'll it'll beat you down because, you know, we don't we don't work 40 hours a week. I'll put it that way. Uh, hey, and, and my recommendation is get you a car you like because you're that's your best friend, <laughs> as you also know on my videos. That gets good gas mileage. Yes, absolutely. Very important. Like, <laughs> all right, guys. Last question here for tonight, and uh, it's from Jack Richardson. He says he has a legit question. There's no debating SEC talent. My question is: Did the media help them get to this point? College sports is the only place media can influence recruiting, a.k.a. wins. Y'all's take. I'll, I'll start. No, the media did not help. Um, look, it, it, I haven't done the numbers, but majority majority of your talent is in the southeast region, the United States, and has been for how many decades, Bobby? And it's a great discussion. We could do an hour on this, but when – Florida State started slipping under Bowden, and Miami ran into all the issues they had. There was a period where Florida State, Florida, and Miami dominated college football outside of Notre Dame and Ohio State. Once Florida State slipped, and those number one recruiting classes didn't happen, and Miami slipped, and, they, and these teams didn't have 50 NFL, 60 NFL players on their rosters each, that talent started dispersing in the SEC. Jadavion Clowney in the 90s coming out of South Rock Hill, South Carolina, 
would have gone to Florida State. Steve Spurrier's at South Carolina. FSU struggling. He goes to South Carolina. Obviously, when Nick Saban came to Alabama, Urban Meyer, Florida. But it's really started, if you look back on it, when Florida State and Miami weren't dominating on the field, then a lot of those recruits dispersed to other schools in the SEC. Now, what the SEC's done a great job of, Bobby's marketing. But the talent's always been there. And now that's what the kids know. Well, I, I, what I think is interesting is this. The, the, the knock on the SEC when I was growing up is they had great players at every position except for quarterback. I mean, they were just very mediocre. The West Coast had all the quarterbacks. Uh, for Right or wrong, that was the thought. Second best quarterback group was in the Big Ten. Okay? Well, now you have guys where they're going to get Bryce Young out of California. Uh, you know, Jackson Dart at Ole Miss is from Utah. Utah. I mean, I think that the thing that the big that, – that the SEC missed until the early 2000s they and really Peyton Manning helped this start that process um, of keeping those guys home. Uh, they didn't have those big time quarterbacks, and now they're getting uh, the big time quarterbacks. And so uh, everything on that uh, leads me to believe that that's part of it. I do think, actually, Jerry, I'm a little bit different than you. I think the media did help. It wasn't the sole reason, but the media deification, for lack of a better term, of the SEC has certainly helped them along the way. It made them be the choice for the kids from Maryland, for example. Maryland kids used to go to – Darnell Dockett went to Florida State, for example. Or they would go to Ohio State or or, or Penn State, right? Now they're the best kids at yeah. the math that nine times out of ten go to Alabama. Um, and so I think, I think there's a little bit of that. And I think there's a Nick Saban factor. I mean, hundred percent, and Urban Meyer factor. Yeah, I, those those things happen, and because they recruit nationally, they don't just recruit locally, and it makes the the local offers mean more that they get the better players too. I think that's just a. I'm I don't have anything strong data on that. That's the way I feel. Yeah. Well, it's definitely an interesting talking point. That's for sure. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us tonight. We'd like to thank Energy Texas, of course, for sponsoring the show. And also Matt back in the studio for helping us out. And then Bobby and Jerry, thank you all as always. It's always a good time here on Tuesday nights. And I'm Blake Monroe for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton. We'll be back same time, same place next week right here on On Texas Football.